said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, I was thinking over the weekend, we need more leadership. We need game changers. We need heroes. What we can't afford anymore is to have these so-called candidates of hope and promise to come into Washington and just be turned like a leaf and flipped inside out into something they never dreamed they were going to become themselves. And we need people that aren't going to stab us in the back. Because what's happening in the world today, you know, when when I read this story about 3,000 farms that are being taken away from Farmers in the Netherlands. So Sky News reports this. It says war against humanity. Netherlands to shut down 3,000 farms. Why in the world would they do that? I've, I, all my years of growing up and, and, and living life and, you know, being a businessman, um, I always thought, you know, agriculture was sort of like a dying breed. You couldn't get enough of them. Everybody wanted to get a college education and and uh, push paper rather than, you know, dig in the mud and and shovel cow manure and 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 work on work on the hot sun. You know, I worked on the farm growing up and, you know, it was the best it was the best experiences. It built character. It was good stuff. But I can understand it's pretty hard work, too up at five in the morning <laughs> and working all day. Um, but you're providing food for the citizens of your country and abroad. But, you know, it's, uh, it was a, it was a, it was one of those industries that was shrinking. Not everybody wanted to do it. You know, what do you want to grow up? You know, a lot of people wanted to grow up and be a farmer, run the, run their family's farm. 
But a lot of people wanted to go off and be a lawyer and, and push paper and, you know, keep their hands <laughs> clean. But um, Webster University assistant professor Ralph Schollehammer says the Dutch government plans government's plan to shut down 3,000 farms in a bid to comply with the EU's climate change initiatives. So in the name of climate, they're going to starve you to death. It's sort of like shooting you in the face with a rubber bullet because you didn't get the vaccine, which they did. The globalists did that. You know, is their heart really in the right place? What is this all really about? EU standards, emissions standards, is a war against humanity, is what they're saying. We get the promises that, oh, this is not going to be a problem. We are going to be uh, going to move to alternative modes of production, be it energy or agriculture. In the end, it never works. We know how this is going to go. You know, one of the things that bothers me every single time I hear one of these stories, it's almost every week now. And I remember Obama, once again, Obama, the American-hating fool, said in his commencement speeches to uh, the Citadel and uh, I think, oh, the Coast Guard. Yeah, it was the Coast Guard. And I think he also said it to the Citadel. And um, he said that climate is a worse threat than nuclear war. And I was like, okay, well, that's an overdramatization. Especially when you see many scientists who aren't getting paid by the government. They come out with their own independent studies and say, climate is a hoax. That we are two degrees, we are two degrees colder than the, than the hottest temperature ever recorded. And we are one degree warmer than the lowest temperature ever recorded we're somewhere in the sweet spot and we're right now like on a cyclical high but we're about to go into another direction and this whole thing on climate and you know emissions is just absurd we don't have enough minerals on earth to mine for cobalt and for all these different precious metals to support the demand that would be required uh, for battery manufacturing. And then once you have the battery life cycle expended, what do you do with the battery? I saw uh, a documentary on this and uh, the uh, process to which you actually dissemble a battery to uh, make it biodegradable or to put it back into the earth in such a way that it doesn't hurt the earth uh, is a 30-minute process per battery. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy. It's not just like tossing a piece of plastic and then, you know, maybe hopefully uh, it can re um, get melted and make new plastic. In fact, I've heard stories about the whole plastic recycling has not worked out. Even Greenpeace has weighed in on this. It seems like these climate initiatives and these global, these uh, environmental causes change every 
other decade. And you have to say, okay, why are they always wrong? They're always wrong because the whole outset, the whole outset of the whole point of the whole thing was they're trying to control and regulate corporations. But I think it's gotten even worse because I think that what's happening is they are killing us. They are playing a very dangerous, inhumane game of eugenics. It would not be the first time that we are seeing eugenics play out. Through the course of history, there, there has been examples of, of uh, you know, complete uh, genocide of a certain population. Hitler tried to do it. And I think Margaret Sanger uh, tried to do it with abortions, getting rid of the undesirables. Hitler wanted the blonde hair and blue eyes. And I think it's been done in other places and other leader, uh, other tyrannical leaders and things like that. And what's interesting too is uh, there was a, uh, a really interesting release on the, I think it was the Simpsons. And <clears throat> I think we're going to play that clip. It was quite interesting. It was from 2010. 2010. Let's take a listen to this, if I can. Let's see. I'm having trouble with this audio. Right here. Here we go. So this is was released in 2010. What do you think? Uh, watch this. This is from 2010. And you tell me if you don't feel like a chump after watching this. I'd like to call to order this secret conclave of America's media empires. We are here to come up with the next phony baloney crisis to put Americans back where they belong in dark rooms glued to their televisions too terrified to skip the commercials. Well, I think... NBC, you are here to listen and not speak. <laughs> I think we should go with a good old-fashioned public health care. Yeah. A new disease. No one's immune. It's like the summer of the shark, except instead of a shark, it's an epidemic. And instead of summer, it's all the time. That is so Now, I hate to be the guy who derails what everybody else loves. He loves being that guy. But, Janice, we do have standards. This can't be a made-up disease. The only moral thing to do is release a deadly virus into the general public. We do have something we've been holding on to, but it hasn't been tested. Get over here, NBC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, watch this. This is from 2010. And you tell me if you don't feel like it. All right. So that, that uh, yeah, <laughs> that uh, is, well, you know, they're denying where it came from, right? It came from Wuhan and it came from a lab and people were starting to come out of the woodwork and say this. And I think a lot of this stuff has been censored. It's been censored on uh, social media. And so then that's the other big story that we're going to be talking about, right? Twitter and the censorship. And, and then also Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX. But Twitter, uh, especially when it surrounds that whole election interference. Well, number one, we have evidence now, evidence that Katie Hobbs was censoring uh, undesirable reports 
on the election. She was uh, colluding with Twitter, who's, you know, we're finding out was basically a super PAC or a arm of the Democrat Party. And so is Facebook. So, I mean, it gets worse because it's not just Twitter, it's Facebook. So these monsters that have been running, these liberal monsters that have been running these organizations have really been exposed now. And you say, well, it, for me, it says that you can, these are conspiracies because it involves more than one person. And it tells me also that a lot of this stuff, this big stuff, is happening underneath. Because one of the arguments is, oh, something that big couldn't possibly kept, uh, be kept under wraps. Couldn't, be, couldn't possibly be a secret. Somebody would be a whistleblower. Somebody would speak up. Somebody would leak it out. Somebody would say something. And that's the beauty of Project Veritas. They do this undercover interview stuff. But in addition to that, no, it does show that you can have these conspiracies and that people are able to pull off these gigantic operations colluding with the CIA and the FBI. It does illustrate how the FBI was working directly. And keep in mind that when they were hiding the Hunter laptop and when they were, Biden wasn't president then, folks. And now they're going to find out what, the cover-up was after Biden was president. And I think it may become impeachable. And you know what? How else do you explain then that Harmeet, Je- or not Harmeet, um, uh, Jeffries, Congressman Jeffries, he's a, a black leader in the House of Representatives that's replacing Pelosi for, um, for leadership. He won't be speaker, of course, but leadership in the Democrat side. And what was one of the first matter of businesses that he is now talking about? He has come out of the woodwork and he has said that I think we need to investigate Tara Reid. And by the way, you're going to see Tara Reid um, censorship. Once again, when Biden wasn't even president. So this is just liberals doing other liberals a favor, a solid. Getting involved in election rigging and working hand in glove with the DNC. And we know that the DNC hand chose Joe Biden over the rest of the field, just like they chose Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders. Remember that? So they're rigging their own elections And basically getting insured politicians, ones that they can control like puppets. Ones that, when I say insured, what I mean is they have the dirt on them. They have the goods. So that if they step out of line, they could be taken down in two seconds. Well, I think it's quite clear that someone like Joe Biden could be taken down. So for this guy, Jeffries, to say... I think we need to relook at and open up a new investigation for Tara Reid. Tara Reid, who was a victim of rape, she accused Joe Biden of rape 20 years ago. Jeffries wants to look into that now. Why in the world would he do that now? Why would he bring that up now? In the wake of the midterms and all this. 
And you know what? I think it's because Jeffries is a bit of a racist himself. He's a black guy and he's a racist. And I think he just wants to see come out the first. Uh, he wants Democrats to have the man have the mantle of electing the first black female president, sort of like the first black female Supreme Court justice, you know, in uh, um, the ja- Jackson, Justice Jackson. So who knows? You know, it's all about skin color with them. It's all about quotas. It's all about affirmative action. It's about, about quota-based systems. It's about gender. It's always about identity politics with the left. It's never about integrity. It's never about competition. It's never about equality. It's always about equity. So, you know, that, that's just par for the course. I'm not surprised. Now, if you were the Republicans and you're in leadership, you would grant that wish for Jeffries. You would say, yeah, sure. Not only are we going to investigate Biden, a uh, crime family, and all the stuff that they're meddling in with COBOL and electric vehicles and, and supplementing the electrical uh, vehicle industry with all kinds of government goodies and investments. We're going to buy voter blocks with uh, student loan forgiveness and some other things. You know, it's kind of funny about the student loan forgiveness thing because um, in that case... In that case, um, you got Nancy Pelosi basically on record saying uh, the student loan forgiveness, it's illegal. Uh, Here it is. It's uh, Hakeem Jeffries. House Dems' new leader said Tara Reid's Biden accusation should be investigated seriously. A racist himself, I wouldn't be surprised if Jeffries is pushing the Kamala, uh, pushing for Kamala to be the first black female president. Biden crimes aren't new. You know, I mean, and by Biden crimes aren't new, what I'm trying to say is, why now? Why all of a sudden? Right? So it do- doesn't make a lot of sense. But what was interesting is uh, here. So Elizabeth Warren about student loan forgiveness, she said, Elizabeth Warren tweets this out and she says, let's be clear, the president has the legal authority to cancel student debt. And then Twitter put out a reader's added context that they thought people might want to know. After being blocked by two different federal district courts, Biden's plan to cancel up $20,000 in student loan debt for eligible borrowers is going to the Supreme Court. (laughs) To which case it's not going to be constitutional. It's theft. And then here, listen to Nancy Pelosi. Is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. People think that the president of the United States. Is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Yeah. So she goes into that. that the president. Sorry about that. It's just re- rotating there. Um, but, you know. So you got two different leaders, one in the Senate, Elizabeth Warren, and the other in the House, uh, on the Democrat side, at odds with each other. They don't even know what's going on. It's kind of funny. Absolutely. 
But um, in any case, today we're actually going to get into all of that because one of the things that bugs me is every time Joe Biden says, I'm going to, like over the weekend, he said, oh, we're going to be financing uh, 500,000 new electric vehicle uh, charging stations. Who's going to pay for that? Shouldn't some corporate industry pay for that? Like, you know, when cable companies have to invest in digging up the ground and putting cable in because they know that they're going to get a return on that investment through subscribers of their high-speed internet. You know, since when is it that the government is subsidizing? I mean, when do we become this government state, right, where the government runs everything? When did that happen? Why is this not being private enterprise? Oh, you know why? Because it's uh, not going to be private enterprise so long as electric vehicles and electricity doesn't compete well with natural gas. Which is the sole reason why America has done so well in the climate area. Because we use natural gas to support our electric grid. Instead of coal, we switch from coal to natural gas. Ted Cruz made that clear in an interview with some environmentalist. It's part of our energy uh, uh, department and government who didn't know anything about the subject. And so it's it's clear, natural gas. But um, we're not re- releasing new leases. And there, we uh, had a clip um, that we played on Friday, I think it was, or maybe Thursday, where they said, you could have new leases. You could have these leases. But unless you grant license to use these leases, there's departments in the government that will basically never make those leases available to you, even though they're there. And that's that's what helps them continue their perpetuate their lies. But the re- the reason why I have a problem with all of this is because of these two clips that I've played in the past. I'm going to play them again. And to me, this is a real problem. Okay, so this is Congressman Clyde and Andrew Clyde from Georgia. And this situation is uh, the reason why it is that every time Joe Biden says, I'm going to support and finance 500,000 new electric vehicle uh, charging stations, it's really helping the Biden crime family get rich on their cobalt mining product uh, investments and their battery manufacturing investments while putting out the competing source of energy, which is gas and oil, and propping up through government subsidies, through taxpayer dollars, their industry, they're in essence boosting their profit one degree separated down, which keeps them out of trouble. Because if I were to invest in cobalt mining and electric battery manufacturing, um, and that was a dying industry because it can't compete with combustible engines, and so we're propping up these electric vehicles artificially, number one, we don't have enough earth precious metals to sustain it, but that's something that's, that's going to be a catastrophe for 20 years from now. But for right now, it's making these people invested in these 
support systems of the electric vehicles, batteries and cobalt. And it's making the people invested in those areas super rich. Because if there wasn't enough demand, if everybody said, you know, that's a pipe dream, I'm not getting an electric vehicle, I'm going to get a car, I'm going to get a combustible engine, um, then that would hurt their business and their bottom line and, and make their investments very risky. But there's no risk at all when you prop up that industry that buys and gobbles up all of their cobalt and buys and gobbles up all of their batteries. And somewhere along the way, I definitely think Elon Musk is somewhere in this mix. And that's why I'm skeptical about Elon Musk. Even though I love a lot of what I'm seeing, I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop. But let's take a listen to uh, Georgia Congressman Andrew Clyde. Hunter Biden's Chinese business deals are just one concern. In 2012, as Joe Biden and Barack Obama ran for re-election... Hunter and his longtime business partner, Devin Archer, now sentenced for fraudulent activities, reportedly entered talks with a Jonathan Lee, a Chinese national who ran Bohai Capital. The group founded private equity fund Bohai Harvest RST-BHR, and BHR is Biden, Hunter, Robert. On December the 16th, 2013, 11 days after Vice President Biden flew to Beijing to meet with President Xi Jinping, Hunter told The New Yorker he had explicitly requested to join Vice President Biden, his father, on the trip and arranged for Lee to meet his father. The New York Times reported that Hunter, Archer, and Christopher Heinz served on the board and controlled 30% of BHR. The rest of the company is owned and or controlled by Chinese investors that include the Bank of China, according to records filed with Chinese regulators. In 2016, BHR, through funds that came entirely from Chinese state-backed companies, contributed over a billion dollars to the buyout of Arizona-based Freeport McMoran for the purchase of a cobalt copper mine and copper mine in the Democratic Republic of Congo, when my good friend Mr. Donalds talked about cobalt. Hunter Biden stood to gain millions on the deal. The firm also purchased a stake in China's contemporary Amperics Technology Company, the world's biggest maker of batteries for electric vehicles. Committee Republicans have already written to the Transportation Secretary about our concerns that due to the Biden administration's policies, American jobs are suffering. For example, Ford Motor Company recently announced that it will cut 8,000 more American jobs. As Republicans highlighted in our January letter to the National Archivist, the American people deserve answers on the extent of of Hunter Biden's business dealings, both domestic and abroad, and whether, or really how much, then-President, excuse me, then-Vice President Joe Biden was aware of the extent to which his son was trading on President Biden's name or Vice President Biden's name. And that's the crux of it right there. They're trading on the name. And they're uh, giving, uh, there was a, a, a cheat sheet, uh, a laundry list of, and I can go through this list, since 2010, <clears throat> of all these meetings that were arranged with Joe Biden when he was vice president of the United States under the Obama anti-American regime. And here is Byron Donalds, one of my favorite congressmen from Florida. And uh, here he is talking about uh, Cobol. 
Let's educate the committee on cobalt. Cobalt is a mineral, a metal that is essential in the manufacturing of electric vehicles. Cobalt is one of the most important components of electric car batteries, solar panels, and other renewable energy sources. A Tesla long-range vehicle requires 10 pounds of cobalt, more than 400 times the amount of cobalt needed in a cell phone. Two-thirds of the world's cobalt production comes from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Hunter Biden has been heavily involved in the 2016 sale of a cobalt mine in the Democratic Republic of the Congo to a company that is a Chinese company. He was very involved. The New York Times has reported on his level of involvement. So do you mean to tell me that Joe Biden, who was then was a former vice president of the United States, then candidate for the presidency of the United States, now president of the United States, had no idea that his son was engaged in the sale of a cobalt mine to a Chinese company at the same time when the centerpiece of Joe Biden's energy policy is electric cars in the United States and more green technology? I mean, come on, folks. That is just crazy. <laughs> it is crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. Let's continue. You can sit here and try to lecture us about the leaks at Mar-a-Lago, which, by the way, let me also state for the record for the American people, there have been no hearings, there have been no classified briefings about documents at Mar-a-Lago. So the members of Congress who are saying what they know, what they're talking about are leaks into the news media, which, by the way, are illegal Leaks that are coming either A, from the Department of Justice, or B, from the FBI, we don't know because the press protects their sources. But if you're citing that, that is illegal information obtained by the press with active investigations. But let's go back to Hunter Biden. The chairman is, the, the, vice, the, the ranking member is correct. There are changes by Joe Biden to the ability for Congress to get suspicious activity reports. I am a recovering banker. When we issue suspicious activity reports, it's not just thrown out like a mere bag of shells. It's done for specific reasons because there are concerns about criminalities surrounding the financial transaction. If Hunter Biden and other members of the Biden family have more than 100 suspicious activity reports, Congress does need to know about this because a funny thing's happening at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Joe Biden is president of the United States. His son, who's not a kid, by the way, the man's 50 years old. He ain't a kid, okay? His son is running around the world cutting deals. His son is involved, involved in suspicious activity reports where financial institutions are making that readily or have, have, have actually drafted those documents. And Congress doesn't want to know. We don't want to have oversight now. I find it interesting. I think it's very clear that the members of the majority party do have a playbook when it comes to smearing their political opponents. They talked about several people, like Lois Lerner. Yeah, she was discriminating against Tea Party groups. That was a fact. Like Benghazi, yes, there was, there was, a, there was a dilatory effects at the Department of State that led to the death of four members of, of that four people that serviced our country and served our country. That did occur. And the one thing we already know is occurring, not through conjecture, because the documents of the transactions are quite clear. Hunter Biden was readily involved in the transactions dealing with Chinese companies for a mineral that is critical to the Democrat agenda respect, with respect to the Green New Deal. If Congress should not investigate 
what's going on between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, then I don't even know what we're doing here, folks. We might as well just wait till the midterms are over. I yield. And there you go. And uh, again, uh, that stuff never gets played. You know, uh, the whole thing that's happening with Twitter right now and the exposure. Uh, think back to President Trump when he was talking to Leslie Stahl and he said about the Hunter laptop and she totally shut that down. And then two years later, CBS, the same network that Leslie Stahl works for, uh, was all, all over. Uh, they basically had to cover the story because they know now that the House of Representatives is going to be investigating it and they look stupid. But they delayed it for as long as they could. They ran cover for the Biden crime family for as long as they could. And why? What's the attraction? I have no idea. I have no idea wh- why it is that they'll sell their soul to the devil being Joe Biden. Why, why are they doing that? What is the attraction? You know, does this, this guy's never even taken one trip to the southern border and yet is sitting on top of one of the biggest border invasions that this country has ever sustained and can't really sustain it any longer, which is the reason why there was so much corruption in Arizona. Because they knew that they weren't able to pull off a uh, rigging in Texas. But Arizona is going to be where the floodgates are, where people are going to be coming through. And so long as you got Katie Hobbs as governor, you basically have the gatekeeper there in your pocket. Katie Hobbs, working, benefiting from not only Sam Bankman-Fried and SBF, who Maxine Waters is running cover for right now, but also uh, through the Twitter arm, and so there was there was uh, you know a lot of interest in that area. So let's take a listen to this particular expose on the uh, Twitter thing here. Hunter Biden making a rare wait wait that's Hunter Biden. I'm sorry. Um, this one here, I believe this is it. So it is clear that Twitter was working with one major political party. And this guy's name is Harmeet, uh, uh, Harmeet, um, to advance information that that. No, I'm sorry. Vivek Ramaswamy. And by the way, I saw, I saw this guy speak at the international women's forum about a month ago and man, he blew me away. This guy is a rock star. He's, he's really impressive. His name is Vivek Ramaswamy. And I, I have actually got to see him speak live and, um, He's a very impressive thinker. Um, So let's take a listen. Political party wanted to see online and to suppress information that it did not. Now, Pete, one of the arguments online is that actually Biden was not yet president in October of 2020. And therefore, that might not constitute a technical constitutional First Amendment violation. Here's what I say to that. First of all, this is exactly the pattern of behavior that continued after Biden assumed the presidency. There has since been numerous examples of the White House, the Biden White House specifically, suppressing and requesting that Twitter suppress critics of the government. So in a certain sense, the Hunter Biden story was just a preview of coming attractions for how he would govern. 
But the other point I would make is that there are legal violations or potential legal violations that go beyond even constitutional ones. For example, if you take this and view this as a constructive campaign contribution, there is little more valuable that a company like Twitter could have done for one major presidential campaign than to suppress really harmful information for that campaign on the eve of a presidential election. And I think that legalities aside, it reveals the farce of modern democracy if you're going to merge political power with with private power Mm -hmm. in the private sector to suppress information that neither one could have alone. So that's what I see here. And Vivek, uh, how far do you think this goes beyond Twitter? We're just we're talking about Twitter because the world's richest man bought it and is opening the books to reporters uh, through the. We'll we'll learn more. Barry Weiss now has access and and will be. But Facebook, uh, Google, uh, there are plenty of other companies that likely could be still doing the same. And we're not even aware of it. This cancer runs deep, Pete, not just in Silicon Valley, but across the private sector. It is emblematic of what I view as the greatest threat to both democracy and capitalism today. It is the merger of the private sector and government to do together what the government could not do through the front door under the Constitution. No doubt we will see it at Facebook, at Google. We already have countless examples and otherwise. Smoke signals of the FBI potentially coordinating with Facebook ahead of the election as well. And it's not just about the election. It relates to alleged COVID misinformation. It increasingly relates to even the claims that are able to be shared online about the debate surrounding climate change and climate change policy around school lockdowns. You see it that the pursuit of truth in our society depends on free speech and open debate and the open exchange of ideas. And the more we suppress that, the more we threaten both the pursuit of truth, as we saw with the Hunter Biden laptop story, but even the integrity of a self-governing democratic republic. That is what's at stake here. Or the integrity of institutions. I mean, what what could we find out in your mind? And we only have about 30 seconds left. You know, the, these regular meetings between government uh, agencies, the FBI and others, leading up to the election, and they may have had a lot of the material. What do you make of that interaction? And would there be a paper trail on any of that? I think there's likely to be breadcrumbs, maybe even meatball-sized breadcrumbs here. But one of the most remarkable things is both at Twitter and in the government, one of the things I expect we will continue to see is that they weren't the people at the highest levels making these decisions. In a lot of those files, one of the things that was remarkable was how uninvolved Jack Dorsey was. I think we will see the same thing on the governmental side as well. And Pete, that raises the real threat here, which is the rise of a bureaucratic managerial class that is accountable to no one, that is actually technocratically using power to suppress the will of everyday yeah. citizens without any with it being invisible to everyone else. So that's one of the trends to watch out for. Here. You know, that's what scares me the most, the, the most is you got these uh, what do you call it? The social Democrat Socialist Party of America that's sort of infiltrated the uh, the wheels of bureaucracy and they're slow pushing paper um, I've actually seen some 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 firsthand accounts of people's testimony to me that said, yeah, they uh, hated Trump and that they would put something in you know the inbox and it would sit there for a while. That things wouldn't get done if they disagreed with the policy or they disagreed with the persons uh, who was pushing the policy like in the case of Donald Trump. But in the case of, you know, a progressive leader, um, they would be more likely to fast track it. 
and get things done. And uh, and certain things would get lost and certain things would get buried and certain things wouldn't happen. And there was a lot of that in government. And so, you know, what he's talking about there is this middle management. These people that are powerful enough to do a lot of damage to our country. And they've not, they're not accountable to anybody. And they're working with other people at Facebook and in Twitter and in journalism in general and at the universities. You take like a Dr. Fauci, right? Who elected Dr. Fauci? How does he keep his job? And every day he's going out to some event where he's the most powerful man in the room. He walks in and people kiss his ring. He walks in and he's always invited to these soirees at these Ivy League institutions because they know how powerful and influential he is and how much of a moneymaker he can be to greenlighting certain things and all the connections that he has in his pocket. So he knows people at the World Health Organization. He knows people at CDC. He knows people at the Chinese Wuhan lab. He knows everybody in NIH, in the government, health. He knows health and human services people. He knows how the bureaucracy turns and works. He's connected and he has access to the presidents and the leadership in both parties. And he can make a lot of things happen, greenlighting a certain product over another. Things that are out of patent and in patent, he can you know, reject certain things. He can su- suggest mandates. But he is tied at the hip with people like Bill Gates and other influencers, billionaires around the world and in universities and in the hospitals and institutions. And when we take a look around, we see these hospitals and we see the CDC and we hear, we know, we could see the donations. 98% of CDC employees voted or donated, who donated, donated to the Democrat Party. So we know what, what kind of uh, thinking that they have going on here. All right, so let's take a listen to this Hunter Biden uh, story. This is uh, some new information coming out of Twitter. White House appearance for this year's Kennedy Center honorees. The president's son was reportedly seated towards the back of the room where two reporters approached him. They asked him to comment on the 2020 New York Post story on his laptop, as well as potential House Republican investigations into his finances. Surprise, he didn't answer either question, but that's not stopping new developments. The New York Post cover today, you see it here, highlighting their latest finding that the FBI warned Twitter to expect a hack and leak operation against Hunter Biden in October 2020. The warning gave the platform time to prepare. So when the New York Post article was published in October 2020, it was censored immediately. Twitter CEO Elon Musk teased the release of more details on Twitter's role in censoring the story in the 2020 election over the weekend. Listen. I mean, the, the idea here is simply to come clean on everything that has happened in the past in order to have a, you know, build public trust for the future. I think there will be more smoking guns because the obvious next question is, well, what happened after the election? That's probably the right thing for episode two um, is what happened after the election. 
Meantime, House Republicans say the Twitter files released thus far should be the basis for investigations into other big tech companies. Now have become arms of the Democratic Party, arms of the Biden administration. But they also used the intel community as well to lie the American public. And Congressman Ken Buck echoing that call from McCarthy. He labeled Twitter and other big tech companies monopolies that violate the First Amendment by suppressing conservative viewpoints. Pete Ainsley. So, you know, here's the interesting thing about Kevin McCarthy. He and his buddy Frank Luntz, the pollster, uh, are, are in bed with Google. So, you know, they get paid a lot of money from Google and YouTube and all that. So, I don't know, man. It, to me, there's a huge conflict of interest there. That, that's what I see. I see a, some real problems there. That's one of the big beefs with Kevin McCarthy. And the reason why there's about five votes, he's, he's about five votes short of a Happy Meal. And that's to be Speaker of the uh, House, right? So um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. Um, let's take a listen to uh, John Ratcliffe talking about the Twitter files and shows James Baker uh, is to, uh, the Michael Phelps of gold, uh, gold-winning performances. So James Baker, uh, who is the guy who pushed the Russian hoax story, is also directly involved with the Hunter Biden laptop story. All right? And they're connected with the Brookings Institution and, you know, all these different organizations that are, again, not elected by the government or not elected by the voters. Uh, yeah. So, Trey, as you know, um, not just me, but the but the uh, attorney general and the FBI director, you know, we all put out statements uh, back in October uh, of 2020, um, uh, alerting the American people that um, the Hunter Biden laptop was not Russian disinformation. And uh, we did that uh, because we wanted the American people to be you know, aware of the issues as they as they came up you know, to an election. Um, to be fully informed. And, you know, unfortunately, what we are seeing through what's happened with Elon Musk and, and, and the Twitter files is that the truth about this issue was suppressed and lies were amplified and, and lies in the form of uh, election interference from the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, Adam Schiff, who said this was Russian disinformation and coordinated uh, with former intelligence officials to uh, amplify that lie, uh, you know, through social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook. All right. So. Director, when you said it was not Russian disinformation, all right, and the FBI backed you up when you said that, you're you're the head of the intelligence community, and you said, hey, look, no offense to Adam Schiff, this is not Russian disinformation. The FBI backed you up. In some articles I read, there's there was a Twitter employee by the name of James Baker that was involved in the decision making to kind of suppress that content. There was also an FBI general counsel named James Baker. That could not possibly be the same one, could it? (laughs) Oh, you know it is, Trey. Uh, So the same James Baker that, um, to remind your viewers, was general counsel for, for, for Jim Comey at the FBI who helped write an exoneration memo for uh, Hillary Clinton uh, before she was ever interviewed by the FBI for having hundreds of classified uh, emails on her server. 
That same James Baker then met with the Clinton campaign officials to hand carry uh, evidence supposed evidence about Russian collusion, the Steele dossier, Alpha Bank connections with the Trump campaign into the FBI and the Department of Justice to launch an investigation uh, that went on for years. That's the same James Baker that ultimately uh, at Twitter said statements from the FBI, uh, the Department of Justice and the director of national intelligence that say this is not Russian disinformation apparently aren't clear enough and we need to suppress this. So, yeah, uh, I think uh, these uh, Twitter files are revealing that, you know, James Baker is the, the Michael Phelps of gold winning uh, gold medal winning performances when it comes to election interference. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was former uh, he was former FBI general counsel. So, you know, go figure. Now, hey, uh, it is still election season, right? Uh, we still have one more election to go, and uh, there are some big uh, things at stake with respect to um, committee fu- uh, committee funding and uh, in the Senate and uh, co-chairs versus uh, single chair and one, one extra vote in each committee, which is also important. So... Um, the vote in Georgia couldn't be more important. And uh, Vince Dooley, I think is the guy's name, who used to be the former coach of Georgia Bulldogs, uh, came out and endorsed Herschel Walker, which is great, um, and may give Herschel Walker a boost. But it's surprisingly close. I don't understand how Georgia has become such a communist Marxist state. Uh, after all, Warnock is a rubber stamp for Joe Biden, and anybody who votes for Warnock is voting for Marxism and socialism. And they should vote for Herschel Walker, who would be part of the resistance against the Biden totalitarian movement. Uh, let's take a listen to what Newt Gingrich has to say about this in the lead up to the also important election uh, that's actually going to take place in Georgia on Tuesday of this week. You have this kind of a special election. You only have two people on the ballot, so you don't have a governor's race or all the local state legislative races. What matters is who's willing to go to the polls. And if uh, Herschel has a really big day tomorrow, uh, he'll win. If he doesn't have a really big turnout, he won't win. I think in, in votes actually cast, Warnock's a little bit ahead, but he's not ahead by enough to be safe. So it's up in the air. And I, I suspect Herschel was helped a little bit over the weekend by Georgia's win in the SEC championship game and the mm-hmm. fact that they ran Coach Vince Dooley's ad endorsing him. Uh, Dooley was widely beloved in Georgia. His widow had asked them to continue running the ad, and I think it's a pretty powerful endorsement of Herschel. So I think all of us who are for Walker have our fingers crossed about turnout. If it's a big enough turnout, Walker will win. If it's not big enough turnout tomorrow, he won't. And part of the key has been getting across to Republicans that the difference in the Senate between a 50-50 power share if Walker wins and a 51-49 Democratic majority if Warnock wins, that difference in real power is enormous. Absolutely. And in the meantime, the most powerful politician, perhaps, in Georgia is the governor, Brian Kemp. And it sounds like he has done everything he can, including sharing phone lists and everything else, to help uh, Herschel Walker win tomorrow. Yeah, Governor Kemp has gone all out. I've been very impressed He's clearly the most popular politician in the state. He won. He got 200,000 more votes than Herschel. I mean, if Herschel had gotten those votes, there wouldn't have been a runoff. And the governor, I think, has been 
communicating to Georgians uh, with great intensity. He has a great team himself, and I think his ground game has been working for Herschel. And that's part of why I think this is still up in the air. If, if the governor's people all deliver tomorrow, I suspect Herschel's going to win. I'm told that uh, the areas that favor Warnock have turned out heavily, but also that the, the rural counties that are very, very heavily Republican have also had rem very long lines. As you know, traditionally Republicans didn't vote until Election Day, but I think they're beginning to learn the lesson and get people out to vote much earlier. So there have been long lines in both Republican areas and Democratic areas. Uh, as I said, I suspect if, if the election were had ended today, Warnock is slightly ahead, but I think there's a very real chance that tomorrow there'll be a big surge, and I think Governor Kemp will be a big part of that surge. All right. Good reason to tune into our show Wednesday morning because. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, so this is a really important race. It's actually quite interesting uh, the way this is playing out. Um, we saw what happened, you know, in the in the special runoff uh, in 2020. What a black eye that became. Right. Um, but this is different now. Um, and it's nice to see the governor Kemp who did get more votes than Herschel Walker for some reason. Again, I don't understand Georgia politics. I don't see the attraction in Kemp. Uh, I think he could have done more to investigate the election irregularities, just like in uh, Arizona. And again, it's these same states. And it can't be, you can't just tell me, you know, we, we're fully computerized in 2022. And we shouldn't be so computerized in the elections, but on the same token, we should be sophisticated enough in 2022 to figure out how to handle a close race and handle it well. But the fact that it's never handled well speaks volumes. And frankly, you know, the, 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 there's still this big issue in what's happening in Brazil. That's still a big story, too. And from what I understand, the leader... Uh, there's so much fraud in Brazil that the leader doesn't have full control of his military just yet. And that the military, people are uncertain whether the military is going to support Bolsonaro or uh, the new leader. So we'll see about that, too. That's uh, just, you know, and you just wonder, uh, you because you know this uh, election meddling is all about um, globalists infiltrating, you know, DAs, races like Soros, or Klaus Schwab uh, taking pride in installing uh, leadership in parliaments and cabinets and, and governments in Canada and Netherlands and elsewhere and in France. But, you know, this outside influence has got to stop. Hopefully with this control of the House and... Uh, Oh, we we could we could make some make some real improvement in these election integrity areas. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today, and uh, be sure to check out magapack.org. Thank you all for your donations. We've been getting them lately, and uh, magapack.org. You can make a donation over there, and also if you, you go over to mypillow.com. You can use Red State as your promo code. It certainly will help us out a lot. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, buddy. Just to bury my kids right up to there.